I didn't come from story, I come from animation, whereas I'm more character focused. So maybe that's why I kind of approach things more from the reverse, from the character point of view, and then create the story around that. That was today's guest, Benson Shum. When Benson moved from Canada to LA, he was starting a story that hadn't been written yet. So he used his illustration skills to help build that world into a successful career as a Disney animator and picture book author. Benson reminds us that the world is full of kindness and flowers with his latest book, Anzu, The Great Kaiju, which is literally about the power of flowers. What a treat it was to chat with him about perspective and world building, writing versus illustrating, and what's coming next for Anzu. Be sure to pre-order Benson's new book dropping on February 22nd, Little Seed, a story about a seed who wants to hug the world, but whose arms are just too small. This is You May Contribute a Verse. I'm Brenna Jennerup, children's lit author, mother, rock climber, and co-host of You May Contribute a Verse. My co-host, Josh Munkin, is a children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster. Our guest today is Benson Shum. You can find him on Twitter at bshum79 and his website, bensonshum.com. That's B-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-U-M.com. Here's Benson's first. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, so I've been animating for, um, for about 20 years, and, and when I got to Disney, um, Within, I think, one or two years, I, I noticed there was a, a children's book program series called the Walt Disney Artist Showcase. And I loved um, like picture books, but I never thought I would work in it. So I thought I'll give it a try. Like, there's, you know, there's nothing to lose. So um, I created a few illustrations and then a rough manuscript, and then we pitched, pitched that. Um, and it was like a two to three year process. Um, it went, so the program was created through. Uh, Walt, the Walt Disney Animation Studio. So it was curated by the directors there, as well as uh, a couple of representatives from Disney Hyperion. Um, and then so they go and select through the process. Um, and my book was past the first pass and then the second pass kind of thing. Um, and then a few years later, it was chosen. So then I started to work with uh, Disney Hyperion to kind of work and make the book. And once that book was published, um, I really enjoyed the process, so that then I kind of went off and tried to learn more about it. Because um, as I was telling Brendan, I didn't I didn't really know a lot about like I didn't know what a dummy was, I didn't know what an agent was, I didn't know a lot of stuff because I felt like I made that book in a bubble because it was just me, the editor, and the art director over there, uh, and I kept asking a lot of questions. So through SCBW, I learned a lot about that, and then after that, then I found an an agent, and then from there. I start to have like a second career in books. Were your other partners as part of that process similarly sort of new to the process of storybooks or were they embedded within that, the unit, like the work work unit or workflow, the, the children's book, like work stream at Disney? Oh, do you mean the similar, like yeah. similar process? Y- Is that what you're asking? Y- yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah, so, well, there's, the big, the biggest difference is that um, with animation, um, the turnaround is quite fast. So once you show some work, you would get feedback right away. Then you would have to show pretty soon after that. Um, so the deadline's a lot shorter, whereas publishing is a little slower. Um, it, well, a lot That's an slower. understatement, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot slower. You, you, you know, you show something and then you won't get it back until like maybe a few months later. And which is normal, and like you know, the more I learn about it, the more I understand why. Because editors are, and art directors and designers are so busy; they work on mm-hmm. multiple books. Whereas in film and TV, you are just focusing on this one project, 
So you kind of turn it around quite fast. Um, so I think that was the biggest difference. But the similarities are like as far as like getting the story, the emotion, and the character-driven stories are that's the same. Um, and from an illustrator's point of view, it's like you are trying to encompass all that emotion and storytelling within 32 pages. It's it's a difficult feat, but I can take a lot of the training I had in animation and apply that to like page turns mm. and like the visual layout of a book and stuff like that. So composition. So you weren't you weren't uh, yeah entering <clears throat> picture book creation completely you know blind. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was interesting is that when I first did my first pass to kind of show the, the art director, and uh, and he was like, "Oh, I think you should maybe turn the character, flip the character this way because, you know, you want it to lead to the right, so you lead you to turn the page." Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like I never really thought about that, and that was really interesting about the bookmaking process because mm-hmm. I would just compose everything within a page or in spread to see what looks good, but never thinking about how do you lead the eye to um, to turn the page? Because in animation or in, in illustrations, we try to lead the eye to the central focus, which is usually the character. And that's what le- that's what the lines kind of lead us to. But in books, it's more like leading you to turn to the right to flip the page. So something like that was like, I'm, I was learning as I, as I went on the book. It's, uh, it's really interesting to me about the feedback, in, especially in terms of illustration, that it's like so quick, like the turnaround is really quick. Like Josh and I talk a lot about about that on the writing side because it's true when you send something off even for critique you know oftentimes it it just takes people you know a couple of days or even a week or whatever to get back to you and that's just critique groups but then when you send it out you know to an agent or editor or publisher or whatever I mean that could take months and months or maybe you don't get anything back at all and so I personally find it really difficult to wait for feedback because I feel like I'm constantly revising it in my brain. So it's like, shoot, if there were three days of lag in between, I've already revised that manuscript like three times. So like the feedback is still, it's still helpful, but it's like not as helpful as it could have been had it been like immediate. And so that to me sounds really nice as opposed to the picture book world where, yeah, it just, everything is at like a glacial speed. So do you do you have a preference or do you sort of do you find pros and cons for both? Um, I, I do like the immediate feedback. I think because I'm just so used to it. Yeah. Um, but I've also kind of like okay, this is this is how the the world of publishing works. So how do I kind of navigate that? Um, mm-hmm. So then I tend to work on multiple projects. So like once I send something off to my critique group, I would just try not to look at it. Like because you're right because the next day you have fresh eyes and you say, I'm going to change this one word, which can right. make all the difference, right? Because picture books are very yeah. little words. So every word counts. So it's like, oh, what if I just this? And I, but I noticed that if I keep adjusting the same word over and over, I, I just need to stop. Right. And I just let it sit. Um, so yeah, so then I'll, you know, uh, maybe start a new project or work on, you know, painting something different until I get feedback from, from my group. So that's usually yeah. what I do to kind of like take my mind off of that and give that a rest. So smart. You have way more self-control than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or an outlet, I guess, with the animation to just like get your, get your fiddling with uh, out of your system <laughs> with the day job. You yes, can exercise yeah. some patience with the picture books. Yeah. That, that is true. You're right. Cause 
because I'll just jump to that if, you know, yeah, do that and I do that and I go back and forth, you're right. But if I was writing full time, that might be a completely different story. <laughs> yeah, so you so you write and illustrate. So that's, that's pretty interesting too, because I mean, writing and illustrating your own book versus just illustrating somebody else's work. I mean, I'm sure that's a really different experience. Do you prefer one or the other to those? Um, I don't necessarily prefer one or another. I think they both have their advantage. Like, you know, creating your own stories are always fun. And you mm-hmm. kind of already realize what the characters look like visually. Um, and so that's kind of where you can tell your own stories. Um, but then also I learned a lot from illustrating uh, other authors' words, other their text, and how they structure their text and why, and try to analyze why they do that and what they leave room for the illustrator to do. Um, so that's always fun. But there's also that pressure of hoping that you bring like justice to the text, you know? So there's always yeah. that pressure when you're working on someone else's text. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're both great. <laughs> we, we've, we've talked to other folks about like, m- maybe there's, um, you don't feel quite as much ownership over the work um, if it comes from someone else's words uh, versus your, versus from your heart and from, the, the, from characters that you've created. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that, just the way society kind of works is if you're an illustrator, like you're partnering with, with the writer on it, I feel like the illustrator doesn't really get the credit as much as the author does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just the reality of it. So I think it's it's great when I see authors tag their illustrators, uh, especially in picture books, um, because it is a 50-50 um, uh, collaboration. Um, but in the world, it's like whenever people see it, they they don't see the illustrator, they just see the author. So I think that's a bit unfortunate when it comes to that. So then if you do write and illustrate, you kind of get a bit more credit for the book. Um, because I feel like most people see the illustration as it just comes with it, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. That's just what I'm seeing a lot. So. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. Um, I think illustrators need a lot more a lot more credit for like making your manuscript sort of come alive. I mean, without the pictures, you know, it's not picture book, it's just text. Like I will read right. my son stuff sometimes from critique groups and I'm like, come over here. Like, let me read this to you. See if you like it. And he's like, there's no pictures. He's like, I don't want to read that. And I'm like, uh, no, like, let me just read it to you. Like, let me read the text. And he's like, no, mama, I'm not interested. Like just straight up a walk away. I'm like, okay. So like the illustrations are so, so important. You know, like the core audience won't even look at the book if there are no pictures. So um, have you, I was going to ask, have you ever written anything that you didn't want to illustrate that you like put out on submission with your agent for, to have somebody else illustrate? Um. I haven't. I haven't written anything where um, I don't want to illustrate. Um, I think also I maybe I try to avoid writing something that I don't want to illustrate. Um, <laughs> like if if it's like I'm not gonna write a a book with a hundred characters in it because I know I don't want to draw it and I don't want <laughs> another illustrator to go through that too. So I probably won't write that story. <laughs> Illustrator is just core, just core to who you are. And if you're going to write something, it's going to, it's going to take a backseat. It's not the right way to put it, but it, it's going to be subservient to the the visual, like with Anzu. Anzu is about the visual of the kaiju. And- yeah, yeah. I, I think um, 
I think as any creators, whether you're a writer or illustrator, you want to write something that um, that you want to showcase, whether that's visual or just in text. Um, so for me, for Anzu was I just love the whole kaiju universe in the world of mo giant monsters, and can I bring a bit of my my um, personality into it and uh, take a you know, take a spin on it of the whole chaos and destruction and make it more about kindness and uh, sincerity. So um, that's kind of how that book kind of came about. Yeah, yeah, fully reflected um, or reflecting your work in animation where you're trying to bring kindness and flowers to an otherwise destructive and chaotic <laughs> system, right? Um, have you had a favorite um, Disney film that you've worked on? My favorite one at the studio was probably um, Zootopia and Wreck-It Ralph. I think Zootopia... <gasps> Those were my two! Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Zootopia because it had it had a great message and also the 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 animal aspect of it was really fun to animate because animating humans to animals are completely different, and I feel like you have more liberties animate, animating mm. animals, um, and and I don't think the Disney has done a film fully with animals since Robin Hood, so that was really fun. So we used Robin Hood oh. for a lot of references, um, and then Wreck-It Ralph was because that was my first um, Disney film that I worked on how we got into the studio and like i've always like being from canada like coming into the u.s and working for disney was was kind of like a dream thing that because i would need a visa and all that kind of stuff and i didn't have a degree and it was just seemed very far-reaching kind of thing so when i had the opportunity and i got here i think that film i just uh i just loved it just because that was my first my first film there so I mean, Wreck-It Ralph is awesome. I watched that before yeah. I had a kid and I was like, this is so smart and so clever and so funny. Like what what parts of that, or did you have a character in there that you animated specifically? Uh, so we, so in 3D, we tend to animate pretty much all the characters. So whatever we get assigned, I think back in the, the 2D days when it was hand-drawn, you kind of stuck to a specific character because you would get used to drawing the same character. But in three D, I think things are different. Um, but on record Ralph, so I did some Ralph. I did very little Vanellope, but I did mostly King Candy, at least in the chunks of shots that I animated. Awesome. What about um, what about Zootopia? Please tell me you animated the sloth. He's so good. <laughs> I unfortunately I didn't because there wasn't many shots of of the sloth. Uh, that would have been funny, but. No, I animated uh, more of uh, Judy Hopps and Clawhauser. Oh, okay. Characters did mostly. Yeah, so Clawhauser was a cheetah. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Gosh darn it, Benson, we're just going to nerd out with you here. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk more about, about Anzu, because I've known about this, and I finally got my hands on it after it, it was published. I think we've, we've been talking about this since you were on uh, the, the AMA with Karen months ago. Um, but you have been working on Anzu in anticipation of it being published for a couple of years um, mm -hmm. now. So, and I see, or maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it. Knowing that you're a Disney artist, I see some Disney type influences in it from like Anzu's got flower power, like uh, like Isabella and Encanto, and it's uh, it's one kid's different from the rest of the family and they have to sort of navigate those waters. Like where, where does the inspiration of Anzu come from? 
I know you're not cribbing from Disney films that you're working on because there's more <laughs> cultural stuff and personal stuff in that. But I'm I'm curious about what what beyond the kaiju nature of it drew you to draw and write that story. Mm. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So first, I want to hit on the whole Isabella flowers thing. So it was interesting because I was already developing this way before Encanto was even I even knew anything about Encanto, and then I saw that she had flowers. Like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> some podcasters um, gonna think that i took from encanto <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so so the the story came about um was yeah so i just i just have a love of of like giant monsters and and godzilla and king kong like kaijus in general um but even like growing up watching um like power rangers when they all came together and they made this big robot or or thing just pretty much anything towering over the cities and uh, I thought that was just fascinating. Um, and so I wanted to kind of, yeah, take a spin on it and make it a little different. Like, what what is the perspective of of the city? How do they view their kaiju? And why do they view that their kaiju that way? Is it because they're scared? Like, what is it that they want? And same thing from the other side, the kaiju is like, they're destroying everything, but what happens after? And how do they feel about destroying? Do they like it? So I kept asking all these questions. And um, and just trying to get into the character's head. And I think in animation, we do that a lot to kind of think about who this character is and why they're making certain choices and what those choices would lead to how they would move and how they would act. So as an animator, um, we get a specific shot and we think about um, what happened before and how did that change their mindset and how did, how did they move like just physically? How would they move from one spot to another? Uh, whether that's mentally or physically and and i try to bring that into uh, a lot of my stories um because how how do they move is how i'm going to draw their poses and and try to get their emotions across you um you did a post uh that i just read that actually i think maybe came out in the last couple of days for tara lazar's story storm on this fundamental thing yeah this fundamental notion of asking questions of your characters as a way to uncover the story and that is so, um, it's, uh, at least for me, different to my experience as someone who conceptualizes manuscripts. Let me come up with a broad structure and then uncover sort of like what, who is it that inhabits the world um, in the structure that I'm, I'm trying to write out. Um, to, to me, it feels, it feels reverse to the conventional wisdom of where the story comes from. And to your, mm-hmm. to your point that it kind of sounds like, um, some of that is influenced by um, by animation. You're gonna uh, you're in the in the process of animating Luisa in Encanto, for example. You're gonna uncover her facial tics and the way she flexes her muscles by asking some of these questions and getting together with other animators and saying, like, you know, what what happened here? Why is she hanging from this cliff? Why is you know what what what's going on around this? Where mm-hmm. um, Pure writing doesn't have that experience in in my um, in my experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Because like even at Disney, I think um, every studio's write, writes differently, makes a film differently. And you're right. I think in story, we think about structure a lot, um, and there's no right right or wrong way. It's always been done that way mostly. Like you start with the plot structure, then you kind of create that world, and whoever inhabits that world kind of creates your story. Um, and I think because from, I didn't come from story, I come from animation, whereas I'm more character focused. So maybe that's why I kind of approach 
things more from the reverse, from the character point of view, and then create the story around that. Um, it's it's just a different way of of coming up with with ideas. Um, yeah, there's no right or wrong way. I, I think the most important thing is to it just maybe helps you approach your story in a different way, and maybe that might spark something else or lead you to somewhere else. So totally, because I was gonna say that too, because I don't think. I don't think like an illustrator thinks. And a lot of times when I come into a story and I have a plot and an idea and sort of like these, you know, milestones I want to tick off, I'll tick them off. And then the art notes are where I'm like, okay, now the character, you know, does this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, well, the, you know, the illustrator, we'll leave it up to the illustrator to decide, you know, what the character looks like and how they move and what their, you know, what their sort of mannerisms are. But um, yeah, but I read the story storm um, post too and I was thinking the exact same thing it was like oh that's actually a really interesting way to start like really really focused on a story inside your character and sort of build out instead of starting out and building in so it was it was really helpful to read to read your post yeah and to me I, I guess my my ultimate reaction to that is like <clears throat> as long as you're doing both things you think about the world and you think about the characters and you think about the structure. I guess that's three different things <laughs> you can unlock as, <laughs> as like as three dimensional a manuscript as you, as you possibly can. Uh, I, it just doesn't, a lot of manuscripts have the tendency to fall flat. If you're thinking about the world and thinking about how, what, what rule of threes am I going to use mm-hmm. at what page turn without thinking about how does my character really feel? Um, so it's a, it's a good sort of gut check to give it as much flavor and spices as you possibly can. Mm, and I think it adds a bit more of a specificity into your character as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a certain word choice or a certain thing that they do that that uh, we might not have thought about um, if we thought from a more global standpoint. How does um, how does the creation of Anzu through the process of, of revision and conceptualizing with agents and editors and all that compare to work for Disney. I mean, I, we've already talked about a lot of the animation work, but it's, it's different when you're talking, when you're collaborating with completely separate entities, um, like an agent, like an editor who have different considerations. Mm -hmm. So you mean the process of how, how I made that book with, with editors and art directors, you mean? Yeah, exactly. How did it come together? How did it change along the way? Um, yeah, so this one I kind of I kind of lucked out um, that once I sent it to my agent, um, she didn't actually have. So so when I whenever I, I make uh, picture books, I, I tend to write the whole thing out and I actually make the whole dummy before I send it to my agent, uh, so she kind of gets a full picture of it. Um, and usually I will get like notes and I do revisions before we get it ready to send out or not send out. Um, but yeah, for this one, um, when I sent it, she was like, "Can we send it out right now?" Um, and, but I didn't, I didn't have any final art yet examples cause I want to get a notes first, but yeah, so I'm like, okay, let me just do some, a few, a couple of spreads or one spread. And then we sent it out. Um, and it, uh, got like, it, you know, as, as anything, we got rejections and stuff like that and we got some interest. Um, but then it wasn't until the following year I went, maybe six months later, I went to the Princeton Children's Book Festival, um, and so I was there since, since I was in, in, in New Jersey, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I can go check out New York. And she set me up with, to meet with some editors and stuff like that. And I've never been to any publishing house. So that was an amazing experience. 
Um, but that then I did get to meet um, Lakeisha, who was going to be my my editor for for Anzu. So I did show um, uh, Anzu when I was there to show my portfolio and stuff, and I I, I printed it out, made a little booklet of it, um, and then she said, "Oh, can you can you send this to me? You know, you know, once you get back." Uh, so then I told my agent about it, so she sent it off, um, and then so we went on a second round with Anzu, and then that's whenever the we start to get some offers come in. Um, and then so we went with uh, McMillan at Warren Brook with Makisha. Um, and then with the process of the editing, there was some some um, uh, word choices that she suggested, which were great. Um, there wasn't a there wasn't a lot of lot of changes, which I was surprised with, um, with the text. And then when it came to the visual with the art director, Aram Kim, she's another amazing author and illustrator as well. But she was the the designer on it, and she had a few suggestions of um, showcasing the flowers page, and also having the book jacket different than the book cover, and that was her mm-hmm. idea. Um, so that was like trying to find different ways to showcase the emotion a bit more of that. So so there were some changes in that, but in general, the story kind of kept kept the same in the message well that's cool yeah it's pretty unheard of not to have like that many changes at all you know from conception to being published it sounds like it was yeah it was ready to go like right yeah. away <laughs> well I, th- I think well before i even sent to my agent there are a lot of changes there <laughs> <There's> <laughs> like, yeah so like so once right. yeah, once it was submitted yes but before that it was like i was like playing with with a text and then my critique gave some suggestions mm. on trying to focus more on this and stuff like that. Because, you know, as creators, sometimes we we have so much we want to tell and it can get very convoluted very fast. And it's like hard to kind of like keep it simple, but yet make it, you know, like a, a strong statement. So, yeah. that's, you know, it's that's the most difficult part. Who is your critique group made of? Are you critiquing with other author illustrators who've got sort of the same challenges as you? Uh, so... Most of my critique group is is a mix. Um, so I have two. One of them is just all pure writers, um, picture book writers, and um, middle grade writers as well. So then it's a mix of that. And then I have my other critique group, which is uh, also a mix of just authors, but there's also some author illustrators there as well. Yeah, it's a good mix. Because, yeah, because everyone sees things a little different. And you have a sequel to answer coming out. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, book two is, is almost done. I think everything is, is with the the team um, at, at Warren Brook already. So we're just waiting to see it all put together if there's any additional notes. Um, don't hold me to this, but I'm guessing it's probably going to come out the same month. So probably January sometime of next year, I'm guessing. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I'm still waiting to hear on that. People, you know, writers especially, because like you were just saying, it's really hard to have one one idea in a manuscript and then like really, you know, like blow it up and make sure it has the most impact. Like I have a lot of trouble with that too. I often get critiques back that are like, oh, there's like four stories in here. Could you maybe like pick one? Because I'm not sure like, you know, what the main character is trying to do. So taking those threads is kind of difficult to just like, you know, zero in. So because of that, I often find myself like envisioning these sequels. Like I have like, you know, all these sequels like written in my brain about these characters that I just love because I'm like, oh, this is another great idea for this guy. Like, this is another great idea. Mm-hmm. So 
my question is, did you have a sequel in mind for Anzu already? Or did that come after? Like the, like the book did well and they loved it and they were like, oh, can we have a sequel or vice versa? Yeah, so for this book, um, I think I've always wanted to tell other stories. I think like the same thing with you, whereas where you, while you're writing, it's like, oh, Anzu could do this, this could happen kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I had to choose one. Um, but um, there's always that rule of never pitching that is going to have a sequel because you just never know. Right. Um, but but for this for this book in particular, um, when it was when it was bought, it was a two book deal, and then we uh. we stipulated that can we make this into a um, continuation within the Anzu world. Um, oh, cool. And then, so once yeah, so then once the first book was done. I started to pitch ideas for a second book, and then they. So working with the editor, we found a story for the second book. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So they bought Anzu, and then they said, "We'll buy it," but it's a two book deal, which means like you're you promised them a second book, and it wasn't yeah. necessarily an Anzu book at that time. It just was a second book yeah. that we mutually agree upon. Yeah, we mutually agreed on it within the world. So at least that, oh, okay. that kind of helps me or helps everyone to kind of focus. Yeah, um, possibility of a you know of a, something within that world, which is easier for me also, and hopefully easier for them as well. Totally, yeah. That's it's so interesting uh, that that's so consistent with kaiju movies as well. Like I can neither confirm nor deny this, but if it's if it ends up being like kaiju versus mecha kaiju or um, anzu versus mecha anzu, yeah, <laughs> it's like other <laughs> monsters that come into play and destroy the whole. You know, right? It's, there's lo- lots of potential to explore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love to bring in a friend for Anzu. Um, you know, if we do a third book, I'm hoping because I would love to continue continue this series. Um, but yeah, so the second idea I did pitch of bringing in a new a new character. Um, yeah. But then we talked about how like we want as a second book we would like to keep it within more focused on Anzu. Mm. Um, and then I'm hoping maybe if there is a third book that I would like to bring another friend or maybe not, maybe just kind of explore more of what Anzu will do, but just to, to ex- you know, as every sequel or like third movie, it's always difficult to kind of like, you want to expand the world, you know, and that gives mm-hmm. you even more possibilities. So yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the first book does and, uh, you know, and if that will hopefully snowball into something more. Yeah. Have you have you talked to them about like a potential third book? Like, I mean, because you've talked about maybe adding a character. So do they know that you're sort of thinking about maybe there could be another one? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably plant a seed there and be like, hey, yeah. what do you think of this? You know, like, yeah. or at least if they're interested in doing a third one. Um, I think like with publishing, they always want to see how the first book does yeah. first before right. thinking about investing in a third book. Um but yeah, I'm hoping. That would be rad. Yeah, I feel like yeah. a series is like a, like an author's dream, you know, because it's like, oh, like finally, I've got the focus I need. Like I came up with this great character and I've got all these ideas. Because like I said, you know, you've got all these ideas, you pare it down to the one and it's like, okay, cool. This book is really good. I really, you know, I really like it. I like the character. I like how it came out. But what happened to all these ideas over here? Like yeah. I can put those into books too. Like, come on, like somebody <laughs> just give me a chance. So yeah, that's very. Gotta cool. s- save those for the Disney Junior series adapted by Chris Nee <laughs> right. and Doc McStuffins and all that. Yeah. Is that is that a dream? Is that an aspiration, uh, like a, bu- a bucket list kind of thing, to to have a series that comes from something you create? Uh 
I never thought about it. I think it would be cool if it happened. If it didn't, it doesn't doesn't really bother me. Um, but of course, that would be amazing to to um, to see it come to life. Um, uh, I guess visually and like moving kind of thing. Uh, I did do a few animations on Procreate of of Anzu kind of running and like blowing flowers and stuff like that. Um, and th- I showed it to my editor and they loved it. So they put it onto Giphy. So now on Instagram, if you search hashtag Anzu, those animations will pop up that you can paste. Oh, very media. cool. Yeah. Man, yeah. that is another huge pro as like a writer illustrator. Cause you can just animate your own stuff and just be like, Hey, check it out. Like this is yeah. like, easy as that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, well, this character lives like, see, this is what it yeah. looks like. like that's, I mean, that's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think, yeah, like you said, like it, cause we're all visual people. Hopefully like the executive sees it and be like, Oh, this character is moving. I can already yeah. you know, sort of see it from popping from the page uh-huh. to the screen. Um, yeah. Yeah. It gives it like so much more life that way. It's, you know, as opposed to just being text on a page or, or even just a picture on a page, like actually mm-hmm. giving him movement is a whole, that's like a whole nother level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So you got another book coming out soon. Little Seed. Uh, yes. Little Seed, yes. Uh, oh, so yeah. That's a, that's a board Sorry. book. Um, <laughs> it's uh, published with uh, Little Simon at Simon & Schuster. Um, so that that was interesting because that one started off as a picture book idea first. Um, but then the editor saw it more as a board book. So then we reconverted it a bit to be a board book. And uh, so that was cool because like I've only... I've, I've illustrated um, board book, but never actually wrote um, wrote one myself. Um, and uh, so that one is about a little seed who wants to hug the whole world, but his arms are too or their arms are too small. Uh, is that male or female? Is going to be you know is little yeah. seed. So then, you know how to hug the whole world, and then with the help of Mama Earth, they go and find different ways to love the world. So it's kind of a very um, they meet all these different types of animals that have a difficulty with a small seed to hide them like a whale. Like how would they do that? Um, and uh, yeah, so so that one's kind of hopefully coincide with um, like you know Earth Day and stuff like that. So, but yeah, that's coming up February twenty second. That's adorable and heartwarming. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> Gosh, what a message! That's so sweet, right? Like. What a- <laughs> What a problem to have. That's awesome. I love that so much. And I I got really excited when you mentioned it because I I went to my library website yesterday and I was trying to put a bunch of books on hold and I came across the little seed by you. And I was like, oh, this thing looks oh. awesome. Let me, yeah, I was like, let me, let me find it. Let me put it on hold. But it wasn't, it wasn't available yet. And I was like, oh, curses. So oh. <laughs> now, now I know why it doesn't come out until February. So, but I'm very excited to get my hands on it when it does come out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Benson, do you want to tell us where, um, tell our listeners where they can find you? Uh, sure, thank you. Yeah, so um, you can find me on my website at uh, Um You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at bshum79. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, well, I'm on like, you know, I started to try a TikTok thing. And like, <laughs> it's all the same. You know, they say to keep your handles the same. So it's all like at bshum79. So I try to keep okay. it with Pinterest and all that kind of stuff too. So. Awesome. Rick, okay. Rick, 
Re- recognizing the the viral nature of your your Encanto TikToks that I came, I came across I, scrolling the other day insane. blew up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome! Thank you so so much for coming on to talk to us, especially since it's so early over there. I really appreciate it. It was super fun. <laughs> no, thank you so much for for having me on your podcast. This is amazing, and it's great to finally meet both of you. Yeah. Yes. Likewise. Yeah. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind their cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renegenerate.com, and joshmoncourts.com. See you next verse. Bye.